0: yeah so like that's why i said like can you imagine nine years from now being dead <laughs> well, actually I'm saying... you
1: kind of can <laughs>
0: <laughs> welcome one and all to episode 176 of the original draft breakdown podcast i'm your host seth cox with me tonight my co-host justin higdon and justin it is officially official uh we're recording The 16th of January, the deadline has passed for all underclassmen to declare. They now have three days to change their mind. And the full official list of underclassmen approved for entry by the NFL will be released on January 20th. So... It'll be uh, it'll be a couple days. It'll be after our two podcasts this week. But I don't really see anybody that's glaring that's going to go back right now. But before we get to that, how are you doing, man?
1: Doing great. Uh, for me, winter break's over. I go back to school. For those of you who, who are aware, I'm going back to school this week. Um, but it was a nice chance to take a break, watch all those bowl games you've got a chance to watch the hula bowl this past weekend, one of the first all-star games of the season, and we'll talk a little bit more about that on our Patreon show. This is where I plug Patreon. 2 bucks a month, you get to listen to every bonus episode we've ever done, and we do one pretty much once a week. <clears throat> um, give or take if we have like some family issues come up or holiday breaks, but I mean, we've been pretty consistent. There's well over 80, almost 90 bonus episodes at this point so just two bucks a month gets you access to all of those and if you want to do uh, four bucks a month that'd be fantastic you get to look at all our rankings and all our articles that we do throughout the year so um yeah it's been a, it's been a good winter so far now we're fully on into draft season and we get into these underclassmen declarations and we just want to spotlight three and then we'll kind of look over the list and see um, you know, if there's anything else, but there were three that we were really waiting on heading into today, actually four that we're going to talk about that we were really waiting on into Monday on uh, January 16th.
0: Yeah. And we'll probably discuss every underclassman um, that's worth discussing as we go through this uh, event. But right now we're not going to run down the list because it's too long and I can't read all these names. Uh, But the big one, the guy that I think is going to end up being the first pick in the draft, CJ Stroud, declared. Um, you you know the first question is where does he get drafted? I think I think that's who Indy trades up for. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe it's uh, Mayo boy Will Levis. I'm not sure. <laughs> um But where do you think Stroud goes in this draft?
1: So I, I've thought about this a lot, and first of all, I want to say. Um, we've we've bandied the point around a lot. Like, will he go back? And it, it I became aware within the last couple of weeks that he was re- pretty dead set on declaring, and that was something we even talked about probably before that, where he had strongly hinted after the Michigan game that he was going to declare. Um, he he uh, actually has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. So I can tell you right off the bat where I don't think he's going to end up, and that's with the Houston Texans, who have the number two pick. So you mentioned a team trading up with Chicago to get in front of the Texans, and so is it Indianapolis? And I strangely do think they're going to be attached to Will Levis, you know? Uh I I don't get it. I don't get the Will Levis draw. I, I'm
0: not here. Here's my thing, and I, and maybe you're right. Until I know who their head coach is, I'm not like I don't I know, know who their GM is though. But you think uh, Chris Ballard's gonna want an older quarterback prospect?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's a kind of disciple of of uh, John Dorsey. I know um, he. They, they they like those football guys. And for whatever Will Will Levis has this kind of cult of personality. You have the you, you mentioned a mayo in the coffee, you know, he drinks mayo coffee, eats bananas with the peels on them. And ever since those kind of quirky things, he's got this kind of cult of personality. And now you even have people saying, Well, <clears throat> look what he did in twenty twenty-one versus twenty twenty two. Well, it wasn't really that different. He had two different offensive coordinators, but the Outcomes weren't very different in terms of production uh, outside of the rushing, and we already know he's going to be a good athlete. Like that's not ever been a question. We know he's got a good arm, but um, in twenty twenty one, where people point to success, he threw a ton of, of passes within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I just I, I just have a hunch that Indianapolis, with their GM, is is thinking big arm big athlete, you know, capture that, they're probably thinking capture that Josh Allen formula, but um, where I like Stroud, where I see a good fit is Detroit, they've got a high pick too, they've got Jared Goff who's pretty much locked in as their starter or at least on the roster next year because of his cap number, but they have an out after next year, I think that would be a great place for C.J. Stroud uh, to end
0: up. Let me ask you this. Dane Campbell and their GM, Brad Holmes, I believe it was. Uh, or believe it is, excuse me. Kind of backed Goff the other day. Um, obviously, you go back to Arizona having the first pick in the draft after...
1: right josh is our guy
0: right so i mean words mean nothing but do you think they're playing it this way to see if if he can fall to them and they don't have to move up or are if they are they going to sit and wait like i'm really interested to see how this all unfolds because Mm -hmm. i feel like if indy goes up which They probably will early in the process if they're going to do it like they're not going to wait till draft day and potentially get outbid if they feel like Levis, Stroud, Young, whoever is their guy. Like they have to go get their guy, especially with the carousel of quarterback crap that they've had the last three seasons, you know, between I mean, you you can even go four if you really wanted to, um, but. I don't really blame them for the the Andrew Luck retirement year, but I mean they, after,
1: could, they could just bring in Derek Carr
0: though and keep it going. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right? At least he's young. I mean, right? I guess Carson Wentz was young too, but uh, you know, so if he if they go up to one, that tells teams like Vegas, Atlanta, Carolina, um, hell, maybe even Tennessee. Like, you got to come up. In front of Detroit, if you want that next guy, maybe even Seattle, right? So, like, you look at it, Seattle doesn't have Geno under contract. That's a little bit different than the golf situation, um, and I feel like Stroud could rep- replicate. Excuse me, replicate Geno's success this year in Seattle. I would hate to see it as a Cardinals fan, but I feel like he has a souped-up version of that Gino skill set.
1: Yeah, but I think it might take time for for him to get to that level. Um you know, I I think CJ Stroud's the quarterback one in this class, and I I've, I've thought that pretty much consistently throughout the year. I've talked about my reservations with with his game, and I think Ideally, he'd be the type of guy you draft in, you know, in the middle of the first round. But you don't get that luxury when you need a quarterback. You have to go up and get it. Um, so, but I don't. I, I think Seattle would probably be better off. Look, Geno Smith just set the uh, franchise record for passing yards. They would probably be better off locking him up with some kind of tag if they don't want to pay him long term. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, like you said, uh, when you mentioned, uh, Indianapolis, not knowing who the coach is, there's so much uncertainty around the, and we'll talk about this with your Cardinals coming up later, but there's so much uncertainty because of all the head coach vacancies and GM vacancies, we don't really know. We can't really handicap too much where these guys are going to go, but uh, I think Stroud to me, even though I think he's the best quarterback, it looks like he'll be the third one picked, if I had to guess right now. And then uh, maybe third or fourth, depending on how – if anybody gets enamored with Anthony Richardson. But I think Richardson's going to be the one that falls a little bit because he just has had um, – of of the top four on paper, he's kind of had the least success as a passer, right?
0: Yeah, Um,
1: even though I probably put him at quarterback two right now because of skill set.
0: So you have. You have Stroud that declared and then some other names that were coming out today. Uh, Jordan Addison declared this wasn't a surprise. He skipped the bowl game with an injury, but hadn't, you know, officially declared yet. Right. I thought he had already
1: declared. I was surprised.
0: And then um, I guess we'll just lump these two together. Quentin Johnston finally declared today.
1: He was probably the latest declaration of the guys we expected to declare. It came around, I want to say, around 4 p.m. Eastern time today.
0: Do you think he was mulling going? back? I mean, there's no way with Dugan
1: going. Out. Honestly, I don't think any of these guys were mulling going back. From like I said, from what I heard about Stroud, he was he he had two feet out the door uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, that came to my attention after you and I talked about maybe. Wait, maybe is he going back? And I was told no, he's not. And so I, I think it was kind of the same situation with Johnston and um. Kendra Miller might have had the toughest decision because he was injured in that playoff game and then had to sit out the national championship game with that knee injury. Uh, he was he was running in that playoff game and somebody fell funny on his knee while his leg was extended. So he's got a, a, a sprain of some kind. We know that. Yeah, That seems like that was probably the toughest decision. But yeah, like you said, with, with Max Duggan leaving... Pretty much all the TCU magic is leaving. This is uh, Sonny Dykes got everything he could out of that team, and now he's got to rebuild, starting recruiting with his own guys. It's, it's almost like uh, I don't want to say direct correlation to like the Gene Chiswick situation when he took over at Auburn, but it has that same feel, right? So all these guys are leaving, and and now you're going to have a much much different TCU team next year.
0: Do you think Johnston – I mean, let's just ask the question now. Do you think Johnson is going to be wide receiver one at this juncture?
1: Uh, No. I think – going back to Addison, I think there are going to be teams that have Addison wide receiver one. I think there are going to be teams that have Smith and Jigba from Ohio State as wide receiver one. Um. Some people talk about concerns with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba's speed, but he has um, reportedly run a sub four five, which is good for him. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. Uh, Addison is even faster. Some people say he's going to run in the four threes. They're both uh, I, Smith and Jigba's bigger guy. He's about six foot six one, two hundred. Addison, we know he's probably lighter, around one eighty. And then Johnston's the big body receiver. But I've heard a lot of criticism, uh, critiques about his route running. And some people think he's he's more straight line-ish. We talked about it on our Patreon show last week where he's got that build where people are comparing him with T. Higgins. Um, maybe Cortland Sutton can come up in that conversation. But I talked about it. I think he's better. I think he's not as good as those guys on the sidelines with his footwork and getting in position to uh, make those those tough catches on the sidelines where you have to drag a foot, that kind of thing. I saw a lot more nuance from Cortland Sutton and from um, T. Higgins. I wanted to ask you this. What do you think of a Martavis Bryant comp to Quentin Johnston?
0: Yeah, I like that uh, Bryant was a great athlete coming out um
1: right that's where I'm coming from like you you've got a similar build and you've got Bryant had the athletic testing and the speed we know that Johnston's going to test well but the type of athlete they were and the type of receiver they were that's where I come up with that
0: and Bryant had two really good seasons in Pittsburgh right uh, His rookie year, 26 receptions, 549 yards, eight touchdowns. um, And then his junior, or junior, his, sorry, his second year, 50 receptions, 765 yards, six touchdowns. And then, obviously, the suspensions, the issues, the off-the-field stuff just started to kind of plague him.
1: Right. Um, he He was on a great trajectory, and the off-the-field stuff kind of short-circuited that. So take the off-the-field stuff out of the way. And and just look at it from a you know just from a skill set and height weight speed comp, and I I just kind of like the way this this one feels. Um, our buddy uh, Luke at Lake Effect Bro he brought another comp uh, to my attention that I kind of liked. It was Kenny Britt, and he actually had more success in his career because he he didn't have the off the field stuff till later, but what um. The stats that you quoted, you look at that, that the, there's that big play aspect of the game, right? The big yards per catch. Touchdowns. Good touchdown percentage per catch. Uh, that's the kind of player I think Quentin Johnston can be. And if uh, if you all have been listening and following along all season with us, and uh, especially the patrons, know that uh, I actually am pretty high on Quentin Johnston. But um, I, I do... I have always hesitated to put him at wide receiver one. I, I don't I do not think he is going top ten or wherever that you see in a lot of these mock drafts.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what people think of him. Let's talk real quick about Kendra Miller. Um I thought he really improved his stock this year, but is is a guy like Miller like what is where does he fall in this running back class? Like he's probably a, a top 10 back, I would say, but he's, he doesn't feel, and I hate saying this, but he just doesn't feel overly special. Right.
1: Uh, no, you don't really get that feel from him, but, um, it cause he's not particularly, uh, particularly big, you know, Or he he doesn't have that big game-breaking speed either. But what you have, too, is a guy that he can catch some passes. Uh, He only had 16 catches this year, but for college running back, that's significant. He had over 1,500 yards. He has the yards per carry that we like to see, right? In his career, he's averaged over 6.5 yards per carry. So... I think we, when you get with Kendary Miller, you you really are gonna have to take a close look at this guy because he might be he might be better than we think he is. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I'm just it's curious because like you look at and and this isn't my board or anything like that, but like you look at running back rankings and you've got you know Bijan and and Gibbs. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Like those are gonna be one and two on almost unanimously like somebody's gonna flex somebody else but but after that you have zach evans who i really like zach charbonnet who you really like then you got yep. guys like tank bigsby Devin Achain you've got sean tucker you've got uh you know muhammad ibrahim you got chris rodriguez like you've got just so many guys in this class that... and
1: i sold i sold uh miller short too he's they have listened him at 220 so if he does come in at 220 um that's that's pretty significant but you look at the 40 time and they're estimating that he's Got gonna four, run the high four <laughs> fives
0: right yeah. and and then you know we didn't even get to like kenny mcintosh dwayne mcbride right. like guys you know like i just i think the depth it's a is
1: deep deep class is what right
0: saying. i that's what i was gonna say i think after robinson and gibbs it's really gonna be a kind of pick your flavor type of guy right like what do you see? But if he's a four six guy, it's going to be tough to take him. He's to going to go late.
1: If yeah, he's top a four, six hundred
0: picks, right?
1: Yeah, if he's a four six guy, he's probably going to go fifth or sixth round. And the question then becomes like, can he even run? Because he's got that knee injury. Like, how soon is he going to be ready to roll? Um, you like the size, and like I said, you, you've got some receiving ability, even though you don't have great receiving stats. But he and and and. Uh, you can watch the tape. You can see he he breaks out uh, with big chunk plays in the, in the running game and in the receiving game. So uh, he's a good player, and I'm not at all surprised he he declared. Um, he he actually gallantly tried to play in the national championship game. He was in full pads warming up with a clunky brace on, and I remember sending you a text with the picture and saying, "There's no way he's playing." When, right. when I saw that brace, I was like, no chance. But he was trying, and they rightly shut him down. But I will also say this. <clears throat> their backup running back had a huge rushing game against Michigan. So you have to look at the scheme and see how much of that was uh, Kendre Miller and how much of that was the scheme. But going into this year, in two seasons you know that he played before Sonny Dykes took over as coach, he didn't carry the load like he did this year, but he still averaged over seven yards a carry. So it's a guy who he's got talent. He knows how to run the ball. He's got patience and vision that you want to see from a running back. Um, But yeah, I think he's probably going to be a late round pick.
0: With the underclassmen list. I mean, we're not going to, like I said, we're not going to go through it. Anybody stand out to you um, that you, that came out or guys that, you know, should take advantage of these three days to go back?
1: Uh, Eli Ricks, I think, was was curious. He transferred from LSU to Alabama. Um, was kind of, I don't know if he was in the doghouse or whatever, but he wasn't playing for a good chunk of the season and really just didn't didn't do much. Um, but we know he is a good size speed athlete and a guy who played really well as a freshman and even pretty well as a sophomore when he was at LSU. But for some reason, he never caught on at Alabama. That one's kind of curious to me. Um, I think he could have benefited from another year in college, but maybe not from another year at Alabama, because there might have been something going on there where he just didn't get along, and he didn't want to try his luck elsewhere. I'm purely speculating, Um Uh, One of the guys that intrigues me is this Iowa defensive uh, end, Lucas Van Ness. He has great size, and he was very successful. And if you look at the tape against Ohio State, you can see plays where he walks back. Paris Johnson, who I think is a player who's probably a top 10 player in this class at offensive tackle. A guy who's going to test really well, who um, really showed that he could play guard and tackle at high level guy that didn't give up. He gave up one sack until uh, that playoff game. against Georgia where I think he gave up his second sack, but Lucas Van Ness d- was very strong against Paris Johnson. He, he pushed him back into the pocket um, at least once or twice. So that's a guy that's intriguing to me, but, but what what we're hearing for uh testing wise is that he's going to be a four, eight guy. Um, now look at a guy like Sam Hubbard. Uh, for the Bengals.
0: I was going to say that's who he kind of reminds me of.
1: Yeah. I think he's a little bigger than, than Hubbard, but Hubbard didn't run a fast 40 time, but overall all around a good athlete. And you saw what kind of impact he can have. So Lucas Van Ness is an interesting one to me. Um, Keyshawn Butte, Like he had kind of a starstruck season this year. And we don't know what kind of, if if you would have said this guy's, Going into the draft after three years, after his freshman year, everyone would have said he's a first-round pick. And now many people are dug in and and saying he's a first-round pick still. But this year, he had a, a rough year. But as I talked about on, on uh, Patreon last week, he did have over 100 yards in the game against Georgia. So a tough defense, and he was able to overcome. And uh, Zach Evans from Ole Miss... You know, this is a guy who was, I believe, the top-rated running back in his recruiting class. He was a five-star, no doubt. He ends up at TCU, and then he transfers to Ole Miss. And this year, where he's supposed to become the star at Ole Miss, he actually plays second fiddle to their freshman running back, Quinshawn Judkins. And yet, uh, Evan still declares... There's no question, he's about six foot 215, he's going to run well, he's going to test well. And there's a lot to like on, on paper and on tape with, the, with uh, Zach Evans. But I don't think he really helped himself this year with the transfer and the whole way things went down. And there was even rumors that he was going to go back at one point because he had a big-time NIL deal. It apparently didn't materialize. I think ultimately the NFL money is still better than the NIL money.
0: Let me ask a couple names because they're in your neck of the woods, uh, both from a uh, Big Ten and, and, sta- and Northwestern standpoint. Evan Hole was kind of a surprise, the Northwestern running back. 5'11", 210, averaged 4.1 yards to carry this year. Um, now, he did have 55 receptions. Right. We talked a little bit earlier. So, like, is he leaning on being like a third down back is that i mean like i that's a it's just it's a baffling situation to me
1: i think it's more it more has to do with just where he's at in his college uh career as far as academics he's he's graduated
0: and um, i get that he i mean he's a true red shirt junior so like he played in a couple games as a freshman but he didn't lose a year of eligibility not like this isn't like COVID eligibility. This is like, you know, so that's why I was curious. That was was a little bit of a surprising one to me. Um, I just, you know, I don't know, man. Like with with these guys, especially running backs, it doesn't always make the most sense, you know?
1: I think for running backs, sometimes they, they probably think it does make the most sense because of the wear and tear of the position. You look at Evan Hall's last two years, He's had over 410 carries combined. And then you add on the receptions. He's had another 88 catches on top of that. And honestly, the production that he's put up at Northwestern, where this this program has not been good for the last couple of years. And um, the year before, over 1,000 yards, 5.1 a carry with 33 catches. Uh, nine total touchdowns the year before that he played in that shortened COVID year. He was out. He averaged over eight yards of carry. So I think there, there's a lot to like about Evan Hull's game and the versatility, the thing that he, 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 you, you, I don't think you can limit him to a third down back because he has size. He's over 210 pounds, but uh, I do think he's going to be a late round or undrafted free agent, but I, also, think he's going to be a guy that catches on and plays in the NFL. So it's just sometimes with these running backs, you know, their position has been poo pooed so much by the draft media and the NFL media on the whole, the analytics media. They really, what's he going to do? Go back for a fifth year and they're still not going to value his position. So is he going to help himself or do you just, you've graduated, go make your money now? And there's not a lot of nil money in Evanston. I'll tell you that. I live close by.
0: Um, let me ask you one more.
1: Cause <laughs> Most of the tickets get sold to the the visiting fans when it's a big
0: game. Let me ask you one more because uh, it's a really interesting one to me. Tucker Craft, the South Dakota State tight end, he uh, it, it's odd to see an FCS underclassman declare he had a good season, 19 receptions for 232 yards. Uh, but that was, that was coming off a year where, you know, in 2021, he had 65 receptions for 770 yards and, and six touchdowns. Like his, I know he, he was battling injuries. It's just, it's odd to see an un or a, a FCS guy, declare early when he's not coming off like a massive year
1: well, I'm glad you asked about tucker craft he's a he's a guy that's been blessed by big draft which we we talk about every year shortly after uh the actual draft uh tucker craft has d- d- people are want him they want to say he's like Dallas uh Godard, right and they, they, i think that craft is going to measure and test well, from what people have been saying. Uh, but I, I get what uh, your question is about because you know, and I have he played nine games this year, twenty-seven catches, uh, three hundred forty-eight yards, and three TDs. This is a team that made the FCS finals, right? Yeah, they won. Yeah, they won. They beat North Dakota State. The, um, <laughs> you know. The perennial powerhouse. But you look back at that that 2021 season, he had a huge year. And again, this is a similar situation to Hull. Uh Kraft started his college career in 2019. So this is a guy who's graduated. And I think that's once you've graduated and you're blessed by big draft. And and we have I think people like I shouldn't say I think people like Dane Brudler, I think are putting him in the top fifty to 75 picks so you're saying a guy in kraft's case unlike hull he's going to be picked on day two and he doesn't have to worry about positional value people will spend on a tight end in the uh first couple of rounds first three rounds when he's 6'5", 255, and apparently he's going to run in the you know four six range so I I watched a couple of these games with Kraft and um, I saw a guy who breaks a lot of tackles but to me that doesn't mean a lot when it's an FCS guy that's 6'5 255 okay just being honest Uh, it's he should be breaking tackles by guys that aren't going to be playing pro
0: yeah I, I just it's a curious move like I said I get that he's you know that age but coming off a year with just 6 games and and you know middling production after having such a big you know sophomore year it's it's an interesting thing um, i think
1: hey I, you know i think craft looks like a pretty good player let me be honest but um i think back to uh, and this probably isn't fair because adam shaheen played it in uh at what d2 or d3 he played at ashland i forget what division they're in but um, I remember all the hype about Adam Shaheen, and I remember just watching that grainy D2 or D3 tape and just being like, yeah, of course this guy's dominating this this competition. Kraft doesn't give me quite those vibes, but um, I, I'm always wary about drafting small school guys on the first two days. And that's just going to be, you know, I feel like you're um, – it's just part of my philosophy, okay? I feel like you're taking unnecessary risks when you have similarly skilled guys from like legitimate Power Five programs that are built the same way, testing the same way, even have the same production in many cases. Like, you want to see an FCS guy completely dominate in every aspect. And I think that really goes to the root of your question.
0: the Arizona Cardinals hired a general manager. No, this is not the uh, rise up. See red podcast. We are just discussing the draft and, and, you know, we don't know who the head coach is going to be for the Houston Texans yet. Um, but we do know who their general manager is still. And that, you know, likely plays a role in, um, what a bigger role in what they're gonna do, right? Than than who their head coach is right now, maybe. Um but the Cardinals hiring a GM, I don't know if it changes much in the way of the draft simply because they were likely picking between Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr., whoever was there either way. But and they were at three, say, right? Yeah, they're at three. But I will say this, hiring Monty Austin uh Oste, excuse me, I better learn how to say his name, Monty um, Austin <laughs> This a, is a one guy need to learn. Yeah, a guy with, um, you know, that has been groomed by Bill Belichick uh, and Mike Vrabel in terms of personnel decision making. We don't know who the Cardinals coach is going to be, so i'm I'm guessing that would be that's going to have something to do with it, but you look at what the Patriots and the Titans did, and I'm not gonna say they never invested highly in edge players, but they really put an emphasis on dominant interior lineman. So I wonder if that's something that Austin Fort takes with him and that they would then have Jalen Carter higher than Will Anderson.
1: Don't uh, let me ask you this. Like, don't you think that might be a a product of where they were picking?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. They didn't
1: have You know, where the Patriots picked and even where Tennessee has been picking recently, the edge guys are off the board. You know, so it makes sense for Tennessee to take uh, Jeffrey Simmons or, you know, for for um, New England to take somebody on the interior later in the draft. But if they're picking high like this, don't you think that there might be a change in calculus?
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm curious about. You know, I was talking to a couple of Cardinals fans that are pretty knowledgeable, and we were just discussing, like, his background and, you know... Just the way that those defenses in, in New England and Tennessee have been built, and like you said, it could have more to do with draft positioning. You know, Jeffrey Simmons is a better player than whoever was the best edge at that time, right, at, at right. that availability. but And, it's, you,
1: and you look at uh, Tennessee takes uh, Harold Landry in the second round. He, he became a pretty good pass rusher for them, at least for part of the time he's been there.
0: Right, and so that's what – kind of interested us like would that be their philosophy there like would they potentially go interior and and build that front and and continue to you know that and so that's what's going to be interesting because i i mean and this will get us to the hot takes the other thing that's really interesting is how split people are on jalen carter's Uh, value I'm not going to say his ability I'm going to say his value
1: if that makes sense to you guys yeah right and we we've talked about Carter a lot but before we get um, to the hot take do you think that um their GM hire gives us does this give us any kind of tip to who they want as, as their head coach do they want Brian Flores
0: so what i've heard and you know who knows what's going on but what i've heard is that they're still in on sean payton uh they weren't really scheduling any um, they weren't really scheduling any head coaching um interviews until they had this
1: if they hire payton is there a chance they keep vance joseph
0: no, Peyton's allegedly bringing Vic Fangio with him. Okay. So then that, so then let me you ask have to you look this. at,
1: you know, if Peyton's the top guy, who's Fangio right. who who is Fangio's top pick for defensive players. Well that's what
0: that's what I was gonna ask you. As as somebody that's been around him when he was with the Bears, again, I mean I know yeah, they had Khalil had, Mack, right? He, yeah, they had Khalil Mack, but so like
1: you'd want Will Anderson, I would think. Th-
0: but, you know, that, and so that was going to be my question was, you know, is that, is it that simple or
1: no? I guess it's it, never that simple.
0: I know, right? <laughs> like, that's the problem with all of this is, you know, you're trying to fit all these square pegs in around holes. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, who does Bidwell want? <laughs> oh, God. Who cares? But yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, you look at Fangio in his career, mm-hmm. I mean, you know in houston and then in san francisco they drafted i think that's when they drafted alden smith if i remember right okay um you know so he's gonna he's gonna probably advocate for an edge guy if that goes i am interested if it ends up being flores yeah that was the year they drafted alden smith
1: Just um, so they take lucas van ness he's a big right. <laughs> big uh long guy like alden smith
0: but uh i don't know if he's gonna
1: test that well but
0: right i i am interested if if it ends up being flores how that works with all of the stuff going on with them
1: right now right there's a big lawsuit involving um
0: and by the way the cardinals are a part of that lawsuit right. because because of steve Wilkes. so so
1: uh, interesting um and it's i you know, the Browns have also interviewed Flores for the defensive coordinator job. And I think Hugh Jackson uh, got into the mix in that lawsuit as well. So he,
0: he did, you're right.
1: Which is insane, but uh, that's a topic for a different day. Uh, yeah. Hugh and- Jackson had probably more chances than any coach in NFL history, considering he is one of two that went 0 16 and he's the only one that didn't lose his job.
0: Right. Yeah, you look at you look at even like Fangio in in Chicago. They took Eddie Goldman early in the second round when he was there. Took Leonard Floyd in the top ten. You know that didn't work out, but he you know and and then they took Roquan Smith. Like you know, he's a if he gets if he gets any uh, say in anything, I think he's going to be.
1: It's crazy to think that a team drafting third overall and say, two quarterbacks go in front of that team this year in this class wouldn't just auto-pick Will Anderson, in my opinion. I know that, that that you and I agree with that.
0: Yeah, that's my call, too, on that. Like so, he had
1: one of the greatest college football seasons of all time as a sophomore, and then teams still, you know, tried to stack the deck against him this year when he had lost some teammates to the NFL, and he still put up really good numbers and he you know athletically measurably he compares pretty well to vaughn miller like yeah why would why is that not just a slam dunk no-brainer if you already have a quarterback in tow
0: so it's interesting because and and the most vocal people on Jalen carter are bears fans right now 1000 percent, because there is a large I, I don't want to say large there is a Portion of Bears fans that want to see Jalen Carter pick number one, and then there's the ones that don't. And so, like, some of these are from the national championship game a week ago uh, at at Deeks View. O G TCU is literally picking on Jalen Carter. No thanks to the Bears drafting him in the top five. I don't see no Aaron Donald in him. We've talked about that before. You know, no argument uh, for me. <laughs> uh, his former teammate via NFL rookie watch um his former teammate Devonte wyatt said that jalen carter reminds him of jeffrey simmons um, that's
1: not bad i mean if if he's jeffrey simmons we talked about this um i forget what show but recently uh probably on the patreon show last week that will be great
0: and then a it's couple. it's still not more, number one overall though <laughs> right a couple more interesting ones um you know uh, jacob infante who I think is with Windy City Gridiron, he's got a huge, huge following. Uh, a lot of Bears fans talk about Jalen Carter as a pass rusher, but he might be even better as a run defender. And so, Perfect.
1: Actually, I agree with that, which is why you don't take him number one. <laughs> That's <right. And laughs> exactly why.
0: I mean, this, come on. And this is a, an interesting one. And this guy is at Nestradamus and... His bio says he was a former D1 wide receiver at Michigan. I don't know. I didn't do any research uh, to see if that's accurate. He writes for uh, the Bears Talk, which is our buddy Brian Perez's site. So, um, but he said, one thing about Aaron Donald or Indominus, Sue. you knew they were on the damn field. You want to know why? Because they were game wreckers who dominated the damn game. I don't see that with Jalen Carter. Two games now with no impact. So wait, impact. who did he
1: say who in Indominus?
0: Aaron Donald okay. or Nomikinsu. Okay. You knew Sorry. where they were on the on the field. Uh-huh. Dam, the damn field, excuse me. Two games now with no impact, and they're running right at him. You know, and this is when they score their touchdown. It it's it's definitely I think. I think the consensus is with us. Everybody thinks he's very good. I just I don't I don't think a lot of people agree that he can become a an elite interior pass rusher. And when you talk about we've talked about this before obviously. You know, when you talk about Indomitian Sue, um, you know, early in his career, we're not going to talk about, you know, now because that's ridiculous but we're talking about a guy that's uh you know a four time all pro four times not not once or twice four times or oh, sorry five times sorry five times so even more than what i was saying um his snap counts for the first seven seasons of his career were over 80% and by the way, season 9 and 10 were over 75%. He didn't drop below 70% of snaps played until he was 34 years old with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: And he still had six sacks.
0: And, and this year, in you know only eight games, but in those eight games, he played 35% of the snaps for Philly. And he's 35 freaking years old,
1: man. And he joined the team mid-year.
0: And so when you look at and Sue, and then obviously you can't compare anybody. Like we did this with Quentin Williams, like nobody's Aaron Donald. They're just not, you're not drafting. You're not drafting a seven time all pro and a three time defensive player of the year. You're not, it's not happening. I'm sorry. It's just not. If it happens.
1: By the way, I mean, look at Sue. We talked about Will Anderson's huge uh, sophomore year. And Dominican Sue when he was a senior, he had twenty and a half tackles for loss and twelve sacks. He was a Heisman finalist.
0: Right. And then so you look at Donald, Donald's least amount of snaps, percentage-wise, sixty-seven when he was a rookie. Every year since he's been over seventy-six percent. And in his last uh five seasons, he's never been or sorry, his last six seasons. He's never been below 82%. Like, that's the expectation level if you're going to get these guys. And we talked about Quentin Williams the other day. Great breakout season, 12 and a half sacks. Um, he did not. It, and, and, he and this made his was first, his
1: fourth year, correct? Yeah, fourth yeah.
0: year, first team all pro, Pro Bowl, first one. Great, great season. He played a career high 65% of the snaps. And, and don't get me wrong, like, fantastic season. But if you're gonna get a guy, if you're gonna say that uh, Jalen Carter ends up being um, Quentin Williams level, which is really good, by the way, AP All Pro and everything, yeah. or Von Miller, I I want a guy that's going to play eighty plus percent of the snaps every season. I think like,
1: what's important is if you're going to be the first pick overall it can't be a slow burn anymore that's not possible so with Quentin Williams it's fortunate you know he's picked third overall in that draft and maybe it's a slow burn to get where he is but you can't and it it worked out fine okay but you can't it can't be a slow burn if you're the number 1 pick the criticism will be too harsh The media is going to be too rough. Chicago is a huge city, a rabid sports fan base, and they're not going to accept a defensive tackle being taken number one overall and not being successful immediately, not being impactful immediately, which is what we did see out of uh, Ndamukong Suh, who had 10 sacks as a rookie and out of Aaron Donald. And so I get that. I get that criticism and uh you know there there's a universe where Jalen Carter makes us look foolish with the type of critiques that we're lobbing here but um uh, I understand that if I'm a Bears fan I'm I want them to trade back or I want them to take Will Anderson and I would be probably you know I'm I'm too old to throw something against the wall but I'd probably say a couple swear words if the first overall pick was Jalen Carter.
0: Yeah, and I think people are going to misconstrue us not liking Jalen Carter, which for... which we've
1: tried to clarify many times. So please right. don't misunderstand. We think he's a good player. Um, we're just trying to put it in context.
0: Yeah, we just—I mean, he's not because because us...
1: Seth, you said yeah, you said the consensus might be with us, and and when you're, if you're talking about the consensus of fans or people on Twitter, they might be with us but big accounts big draft draftnicks like Matt Miller with ESPN have said he's the best player in the draft so that's where we're pushing back
0: yeah that's great I mean we'll see I mean you know and hopefully if the Arizona Cardinals select him at three then he is the best player in the draft
1: and, <laughs> and I'm wrong take know, will Anderson that. take will Anderson yeah I
0: I mean I I said that I wrote about that today Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports dropped a dropped a mock draft and before the cardinals hired their gm and i wrote about it and i said look this is a slam dunk this is this is a guy in will anderson but Kime's a...
1: not there to move him to off off the ball
0: right <laughs> draft <laughs> it... him
1: pass rush him he's he's legit
0: right he's i mean he is a he's a prospect on the level of nick bosa von miller miles garrett like that's his that's where he's at in terms of His production, his athleticism, like that type of stuff. Like you're talking about a guy that that feels, you know, can't miss is a strong word, but just feels that way.
1: There, this is a guy. The argument when, um, you know, when Nick, or I'm sorry, when Miles Garrett came out. Remember, people said you have to draft this guy number one. This was a draft that had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in that class, and people still said you must draft miles garrett number one they weren't wrong necessarily because you look at what miles garrett has done but nobody's saying that about will anderson which i find curious and and we're facing a a possibility of will levis going ahead of of anderson that's crazy (laughs) that's that is bat crap crazy to me
0: anything else before we get out of here
1: no uh we'll be back on patreon on patreon Later this week, we'll talk about some under the radar guys uh, that I watched in the Hula Bowl and probably some other uh, stuff. So, um, go ahead and subscribe. We appreciate you whether you subscribe or not. Though uh, if you listen, we love you and thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, thanks as always, guys. We appreciate it and have a have a great night, everybody.
1: we need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what i hear in other shows is where they're like uh you know uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review sign up for our patreon it's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes four dollars a month for all additional content something like that
0: yeah we should work on something like that that could be it right
1: there a read yeah that's it exactly